James chapter 1 verse 2 says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let your steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Psalm 16 <clears throat> Therefore my heart is glad and my whole, joy, whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is the fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. John 15, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Is there anyone here today that is interested in having a full tank of joy during the holidays? Come on. <laughs> we're uh, in the third week of our series, Advent series, and we're going to take some time to discuss joy today. Uh, Katie, you want to light our candles uh, for me? We're going to discuss the arrival of joy. What does it mean that joy has arrived in the person of Jesus? What does that mean for us? What does it mean that Joy has come to you and I, and what does it look like for us to experience joy in this life? Here's what I know from my limited experience on earth. Sometimes the most wonderful time of the year, which we are in, can be less than wonderful. Has anybody ever entered the holiday season and you feel less than joyful? Because of the number of things that are going on or the number of things that are stirred up. Or maybe, uh, maybe you're in the middle of a very joyful time and, and things are good and you're filled with joy and the Christmas cheer is taking over your life and you're just bebopping through the day. But you're looking around and it seems like the joy is absent in others. When I first got into ministry in 2008, I had the opportunity to, to serve a high school ministry and we had a, a whole group of young adults that helped us do that and and one of our leaders, her name was Rachel, and she would come up to me often and she would say, Drew, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And when I say often, I mean every week we met as a youth group, she came up to me and would say, Drew, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And to be frank, <laughs> this morning with you, there are times when Rachel would come and tell me this, the joy of the Lord is your strength. I, I would feel encouraged, I would feel uplifted, and I would be ready to rock and roll for the high school group that night. But there was other times where she would come up, typically during more stressful times or where I was feeling the weight of responsibility, and here would come Rachel into our service, and she'd come up to me and say, Drew, the joy of the Lord is, there, is your strength. <laughs> and I would be so annoyed by the comment Because I'd be feeling far from the joy of the Lord. I would be feeling far from strength and, and seemingly distance from joy. Have you ever been there in your walk with the Lord? Where somebody is trying to encourage you, but the encouragement is just painful. 
when you're walking through stressful times, when your relationships are broken, when you're facing challenges with your kiddos, or your finances get tight, or you get that lovely note in the mail from the IRS, or your job is becoming challenging, or, I mean, you, you fill in the blank with your situation. The sort of day, the sort of time where, where you know, you, you're just making it through, like you're just thankful to make it through that day. Seems like maybe you're running out of gas. And then, in that place, somebody comes up to you and says, hang in there, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Don't you just want to hug them? Like, really long and hard? <laughs> right? It. It's ironic, really, because the very thing that we need, we're, we stiff arm. Isn't that funny how we do that? We actually need joy, and yet we're so resistant to it. We don't think it's possible, and, and we list, we begin to list our circumstances, and we list our challenges, and we maybe review and explain the sufferings that we're in, and we, and we, argue that there's no way that I can experience joy in the midst of what's going on in my life. Yet you're in dire need of it. I want to suggest today that joy is available, that it was made available to us because of Jesus and what he accomplished, that joy is supernatural, it's not natural, it's a gift that is provided to us, that joy is something that actually transcends our understanding. It transcends our circumstance. It's bigger than our life and the challenges that we face. And it's something that we're talking about in Advent. It's, it was given to us in Christ. Joy is available to you and I. Joy is actually a fruit of the Spirit. Uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are things that are a byproduct of a life surrendered to Jesus. They're things that we have. When you walked in this morning, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you brought joy with you this morning. Did you know that? You brought it in the door. It may not be, it may not be manifested right now, but you have it. It's within you. The psalm that we read earlier states that joy is available in the presence of God. The fullness of joy is available to us because God is near. He's near to us. I'll ask you again, is there anyone that's interested in the fullness of joy? Let's just go with today. I am. I'm hungry for it. I want to experience a, a joy that transcends my understanding. I want to live in that. I want to I want it to bubble out of me when, when it doesn't seem like it should. I want to be connected to God in a way where his joy floods my experience. When I was a, a little kid, we sang this song in church, uh, and maybe you sang this song. Uh, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart. See, 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 see. Now, if you're new to church, yeah, we're that weird. <laughs> uh, we sing these songs about the fruit of the Spirit, and they're catchy, and they stay in our, our heads forever, right? Uh, as an adult, I think I sing this song a little bit different. I don't think as, as a kid, I think I sang this song, and I just believed that it was true. Like, where's the joy? It's down in my heart. I got it, right? 
I got the peace that passes understanding down in right there. But as an adult, like when I process this song that's stuck in my head forever, I think I sing it different. I think I sing it, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? And maybe you can, <laughs> thanks Trace. Maybe you can relate to that, right? Maybe you know that you have it, but you're looking for it. <laughs> maybe, maybe you understand it's the fruit of the Spirit, but goodness sakes, is it tucked under the couch somewhere? It's not present. I, I'm not experiencing it right now. I, I received a letter this time of year which we, from all of our partners and just friends. We get updates on how the years are going. And in this particular letter, uh, at the beginning, it listed uh, some statistics about... Uh, the anxiety and the fear and the depression and the skyrocketing numbers when it comes to those things in our world. And it made me feel a little bit anxious, fearful, and depressed. <laughs> the level of discouragement in our world, it seems to be increasing. And, and here's, here's the truth. If you are walking in that yourself, guess what? According to the statistics, you're not alone. You're experiencing that with... With other people, so I'd ask you again, are you in need of joy today? Do you need a joy that surpasses understanding? Grab your Bible, Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to be. We're going to read the, this story that often we would read at Christmas, and shoot, we may even read it again in a couple, couple weeks, but it's the Christmas story. The beginning of, of Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7 is... Is Mary and Joseph traveling to their hometown of Bethlehem? They're to be counted. The census was being taken, and there's not enough room for them to stay. And so they have Jesus amongst the animals, and it's, it's a party. And then we get to verse 8, and here's what the text says. Luke 2, verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Now, I think this is a, an incredibly appropriate response to the situation. Can you imagine that, uh, just put yourself in the story, you're a shepherd, you shepherd things, little sheepies, right? And you're out in your field, you're shepherding the sheepies. This is something that you've done every night for, for maybe years. And it's the middle of the night. That means it's dark out. And all of the sudden, the lights come on. Boom, the glory of God starts to blind you. <laughs> My, I had a, a child who walked into the room before I was up and flipped the lights on in my room this week. And I, I like jumped out. of I was ready to fight. I don't know what was going on. It just all of a sudden became light. So imagine that times like forever, and you get this story. The glory of God, boom, in the dead of night. I mean, it makes sense that these shepherds are like, oh, what? What's taking place? If we're in the story, I bet uh, we're asking some questions like, uh, we, there really is life outside of the earth. Right? Maybe we're thinking that the aliens have arrived. Maybe, uh, or maybe you're like, uh, I need more sleep. Like maybe I'm hallucinating. Bob, you seeing this? Like what? 
what's happening right now? Maybe I, maybe I ate something weird. Maybe I'm having a reaction like your brain is probably starting to figure out, trying to figure out what's going on. They were terrified. But the story is more complex than we realize because this event, the event itself would have been wild. It would have been startling. But, but this was not just any event. This was God breaking a long period of silence. And it happens in the beginning of the gospel. God begins to speak to individuals. But this is God's glory, God's presence on display. And they haven't heard from the Lord for a long time. It had been centuries since God's presence had manifested in the ways that they knew him before. And so the Jewish people were hungry for God to manifest his presence. But after 400 years, you start going, ah, maybe it's not happening. And then in the dead of night, boom, the glory of God is there. What they were not expecting at all is how God's presence would actually come to them. And here's the message from the angels, continuing in verse 10. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Holy cow. No, that's not what it says. He said, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned. Glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Fear not, good news of great joy for all people. Does anybody have like uh, Charlie Brown in their head when they, when they hear that? Yeah, okay. No, it's not just me. <laughs> Linus, that's who I was. Good news of great joy. Everyone say good news. It's a great joy. Apparently, this good news of great joy was for all people. I want to talk to uh, the moms in the room for just a moment. Because there's something in this story that is hard for me to wrap my head around. Um, I'm not a mom, that's obvious. (laughs) Uh, but the, the, the Christmas story, it's, it's perplexing because maybe you're a mom currently, or at least you have a mom. That's how existing works. Um, <laughs> fellas in the room, just hold on. Like, I'm going to talk to the moms, but you're going to get in just a moment the gravity of the story. Okay? Imagine, moms, being a, a teenage girl carrying your first child. Not just any child. A child conceived by the Holy Spirit. 
Imagine explaining that one to friends and relatives. So your social life is a little bit strange. In fact, your family has probably, maybe if some of them have backed away from you because they're confused about what's actually happening in your life. So things are interesting as a young girl carrying your first child. And imagine being nine months pregnant. You know the time where you're just ready for it to be over. (laughs) And imagine you wake up in the morning and you're eating breakfast and then Joseph comes in and says, hey, we got to get going. It's time to travel. The census is being taken. We've got to get to Bethlehem down south. Let's go. It's time to go. And, and when he says this, he's not like saying, let's load up the car and we'll get there in a few minutes. He is saying, okay, I got the donkey ready and we're going to travel somewhere between 70 and 90 miles, which could take upwards of a week possibly to go be counted in Bethlehem. Now, moms, pregnant moms, nine months at the end of your pregnancy, moms, imagine saddling up on a donkey for a week. Okay, so I'm not like just reading this going, this is crazy, right? This is not a simple task. But it gets worse. Because... You travel aboard this donkey, maybe sometimes walking, and you're pregnant, so you got to stop because, you know, the restroom is needed, right? So you're going, and you finally make it to your destination, and you're getting ready to check in, and Joseph comes back out. Imagine me and Joseph, fellas. And you come to Mary, and you're like, so there isn't any room. There's no place for us to stay. But we get to be with the animals. Okay, you feeling the weight of this? This is a wild story. This is, a, that's the amen to that. This story is, is so crazy. When I imagine the Christmas story, not all pretty in a nativity scene, but like the reality of the story. You want to know what word is nowhere near the tip of my tongue? Joy. I don't think about joy. I think of like, joy has left the building. It's a long ways from this story. I'm just not seeing it. This seems like the absence of joy. But, don't miss it. The the angels announced to the shepherds in the field, we bring you good news of great joy. And here's where you're going to find it. Wrapped up in a feeding trough. Among the animals was two weary parents who are just trying to survive. Again, in many ways, we want to make this story really pretty. It's not a pretty story, but it's a powerful story. Because in the midst of the messiness of life, joy is available. Why? Because God is present in the midst of it all. The God of all creation left heaven, entered in the vulnerability of a child to be present with us in the middle of our life circumstances to communicate something very clearly to us. I'm with you. I see you. I'm with you. I'm aware of what's on your shoulders and I'm present. He, he came for us because he loves us. Even in the depths of our greatest challenges, he is present. And because he is near, 
we can experience joy. I love the end of the story, verse 17 through 20. I'll read it again. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God. They're like, that was awesome. God is here. So here's Mary in, in the midst of probably the most difficult week of her life. Quite honestly, I mean, this is not a great week. But she's being reminded by these shepherds from the field that God spoke to that it's going to be okay because this is a supernatural work of God that is happening right now. She pondered that in her heart. She held on to that. Here's my only point today. Joy is found in God's presence. Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, everyone involved in the story experienced good news of great joy because God was faithful to the things that he promised Maybe in our timeline, we've been like, yeah, 400 years is a long time. In God's timeline, he's perfect. He came right when he wanted to, for the right reasons. He's faithful to his promises. God was present in their circumstances, and God was showing up to bring salvation to the entire world. Joy is found in God's presence that... This continues to be true today. Joy is available to you and to me because God is faithful to his promises. He's continued to be. He's present with us this morning. He knows our stories. He sees us. He cares. And he's returning someday to, to make right all things. So joy is ours today because of who he is. Joy is found in God's presence. You can trace this all the way back through to the beginning of our story God was present in the very beginning of time, right? He creates the world. He creates mankind. He's with them in the garden. His presence is with them in the garden. Things get a little sideways in the garden due to sin. But God doesn't give up on humanity. He continues to pursue them. He shows up to Moses. God's presence is manifested in the burning bush. And he calls Moses to be a part of this delivery from slavery. God shows up. He's present to his people, Israel. He takes them out into the desert. He begins to show them, listen, I am with you and I am for you. God's presence was in the tabernacle, in the Holy of Holies. They weren't a great nation because they were awesome. They were a great nation because God's presence was in the midst of their nation. That eventually moves from this tabernacle, this mobile tent, into the temple where God's presence is manifested and, and the Jewish people live their life surrounding the presence of God in the temple. And then all of a sudden on this wild night after a week-long travel, God's presence is manifested in the flesh. Jesus Christ is born on this earth. He grows up. He calls the disciples to himself. The disciples experience the tangible expression of God. They hugged God. They shook hands. They ate a meal. They laughed. They experienced God's presence. The joy of God was with them. And then Jesus tells them this crazy thing in one of their final meals they have together. He says, listen, uh, it's about to go south, but it's, I knew this was coming. I'm going to give my life for you. It's better that I go because if I go, then I can send you the advocate, the helper, the Holy Spirit. I can give you my presence He dies, he rises again on Pentecost, 
the Holy Spirit falls in Acts 2 on the disciples. The fire of God is symbolic on their heads. God's presence moved from a tabernacle to a temple to, a per- to the people of God. They experience the presence of God supernaturally. The fullness of joy is here today because, I'm assuming, and I know this to be true from it, you, you've surrendered your life to Jesus. If you've surrendered your life to Jesus, guess what he's provided you? His spirit. He's given you himself. So the presence of God is in this room. How do I know that? Well, because he's sovereign and he's holy and he covers the whole earth, but also because you're here. And you carry the presence of God. You and I carry the presence of God, so when we gather in his name, we can experience the fullness of joy because the presence of God is manifested through the people of God. This is a powerful truth, and uh, maybe I'll explain it this way. Have you ever been in a rough time, overwhelming time, and just having somebody sit with you brings you encouragement and hope. Could it be? (laughs) Could it be that when we gather together and trust, even in the difficult times, God's presence is truly there and it gives us things that are supernatural that transcend our experience? I think that's true. And I think we need each other. I, I think that God has placed his spirit within us so that we could honor him with our lives and serve him, but that we could truly manifest, as we say at the end of every service. Does anybody know what we say at the end of every service? Let's go out and be the... Why would we say that? Well, because we're the body of Christ, as Paul says. We're legitimately, by the Spirit of God, the expression of God's love on this earth. So we get to be the hands and feet. Now, if you don't like hands or feet... We could say, let's go out and be the heart and ears. I don't know. (laughs) That sounds weirder. (laughs) You and I, by the grace of God, by the forgiveness of Jesus, by the giving of his spirit, get to carry the good news of great joy wherever we go. We get to carry the good news of great joy because the joy of God is found in his presence and his presence is here. Worship team, you guys can join me as we get ready to close. If, if you are in need of, of the joy of the Lord today, it's not something you have to wrestle him for. It's something he wants to provide for you. And I'm thankful for that. Because I'm really good at trying to wrestle him for it when he's like this all the time. And so as we come to him and as we, as we sing songs of worship, as we gather in his name, as you give somebody a hug today, maybe you already have, as you shake somebody's hand, you, you are a testament of God's goodness and God's faithfulness and God's presence in this community. I'm grateful for you. I'm encouraged by being here in this place, not just on Sundays. I'm encouraged, encouraged when I run into you at the grocery store. Stacey, I ran into you at the grocery store this week. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, let's go. I had my two kids. We were shopping for stuff. Katie was working. I needed a little joy of the Lord in that moment. Let me just be honest. 
But I ran into somebody who encouraged me just by being present. Will you stand with me? God, this morning, we carry a lot of things into this room. We carry, um, we carry some, some joys and some celebrations. We carry some difficulties and some pain. We bring our lives to you because we believe that you are sovereign over it all. That you stand above it all. You taught us to pray our Father who art in heaven above it. Hallowed, holy, perfect is your name. God, you are above it all. And we pray that, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on this earth. As it is in heaven. That you would work in us and through us in a way that heaven would be manifested on this earth. We need you today. We rely on you today. We're desperate for you today. Come and fill us and make us whole so we can walk in your joy. We pray this in your name. Amen.